It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Wizards podcast. It's your host, Ed Oliver and Dialante Daniels. We have a special guest, Aaron Soroka from Sports 5, NBA analyst here to talk about Denny. But before we get started, I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Also, I just want to make sure you guys check out Price Picks. Check out pricepicks.com and use promo code NBA to go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Aaron, how you feeling today, man? I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me. I love your pod. I love following the Wizards of Broadcasting the Wizards games. Um, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again uh, for the opportunity. Definitely. Um, so let's get it started. So I just want to get your thoughts on the Washington Wizards team as a whole. Uh, what did you think about the moves they made at the trade deadline? And then how did you feel about Denny? Was there any concern that he was going to be traded or was there any rumors coming out? Uh, from you guys, and actually, there were you know the rumors about like being traded for Jeremy Grant, being traded for Sabonis after Sabonis was traded to the Kings. Uh, actually, it was like, um, okay, he's not going to be traded. And actually, we have our own podcast, the CMNBA, uh, live on the trade deadline. And then we heard like about uh, Porzingis is going to Washington, and uh, we said in the, in the beginning, we said, can we like be um actually disappointed that Danny is not going to play with Luka Doncic because we really wanted to see him in the playoffs and it was pretty sure to see that, that they're not going to make the playoffs. But actually, um, like, it obviously became the best opportunity he's ever had, like, this third of a season. And I think that, like, given the horrible month that they had um, before, ironically, just when they had the whole team, the decision to part with some players that were reportedly not the most loved ones in the rocker room sounds logical. Actually, Bradley Billinger was kind of a catalyst to do that. Like after weeks of overcrowded rotation, it was quite clear that this team is not probably going, you know, to 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 make the playoff. This is not going to end well. And by bringing Porzingis and shedding all those players, they signaled to Bill first of all that he's have the big man he never played with. And by bringing back Ish Smith, they got the locker room elder statesman, which is never a bad thing, especially um, considering the lack of leadership this team had. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I think that if you do embrace the tank, just roll with it, you know? I'm not saying that the Wizards should go full trailblazers right now. They look like they covet. The Wizards are coveting the number nine pick or the number 11 pick, which is a strange thing to do. Why do you need three veteran point guards where none of them can lead a team and none of them even have a guaranteed contract for next season. You know, um, why do you need to have both Neto um, and Ish and Satoransky? Uh, maybe the youngsters need some veteran leadership. That's that's fine. That's understood. But they also need the ball. And when two of them mm-hmm. are 
of two of those point guards are going on for combined four for 20, either they don't stick to the game plan or the game plan was not working to begin with. So while the main focus should be, you know, to get the Shepherds three of draft picks uh, as much burn as possible, we get veterans a lot of time, veterans will play for the next contract, probably somewhere else. And, and let's go, you know, for the craziest scenario, DNA. Okay, let's say that Porzingis is returning to an all-star form and they do sneak into the play. Let's go even further. Let's say they catch a break versus the Hornets or the Hawks and get the eighth spot, all right? Can they win a game against, like, the Heat or Sixers? Does it even matter the long-term plans of Bradley Beal who can get, like, you know, quadrazillion dollars from the Wizards? Uh, like, if, is it better than to have to try to have a worse record than like teams who actually want to get into the plane, even if they're not good at it, like the Kings or the Lakers or the, you know, the Spurs? As it currently stands, they just don't play well enough to be in the plane and don't play badly enough to mm-hmm. get a lottery pick. So when you choose a direction, it's good. But then when you don't follow this direction fully, it just sounds strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know before the trade deadline, Denny, you know, he had a DMP against the Sixers. And I almost remember DMP. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm going to mention it later. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that was right before the trade deadline. That's when the, you know, rumors about, you know, Jeremy Grant, Sabonis, and all that stuff was going on. I know it was a time where you guys were, because I know you guys are different in a different time zone. I know you guys were disappointed that Denny didn't play that game. Uh, but yeah, your your perspective on Ish and Neto and and Tomas is interesting. I, I I agree with that too because you know I didn't really see the reason of bringing back Tomas, but Tomas is starting to play really really well. Um, as far as the trade deadline, I do like the move uh, with Porzingis, and I do see that um, Denny and Porzingis. I think they can potentially play pretty well as they did the alley oop um, together. So I, I kind of like I definitely like the moves they made at the deadline, moving on from Dinwiddie, moving on from Bertans getting some of the locker room guys out of there. Um, and I, th- I do think Denny does have somewhat of a better, more more of a role. Like you said, Bradley Bill being out for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. it gives him more playing time to develop and see what he can do out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, sorry, D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that I agree with the Bill injury and that opening the door up and the trade down deadline in general. Because I always felt like it was hard for guys to get into any kind of groove playing 11 minutes. 15 minutes because 10, 11 guys were playing. And and this kind of leads into my next question as well about Denny's fit. And in comparison to last season, I know he got hurt. We were were just talking about the playoffs and he got injured. So he wasn't able to play in that 76er series. But I wanted to ask you kind of, do you like him more off the bench or do you want to see him starting? I know I personally like him off the bench. He's getting 30 minutes now a game, which is what I wanted to see. And I, I feel like he's a little more comfortable coming off of the bench, and he still makes a big impact. Yeah, the, the current situation, I agree. The, it's it's the best probably that Danny's ever had. Not because of the team status, because he, he was brought there to win games and to compete right away, but because after a season and a half, that's the first time that he's having the freedom to create. You know, mm-hmm. um, like not entirely yet, because sometimes the ball handlers don't, don't, don't think it's a good idea to pass in the ball and the ball doesn't move at all. At the, the, but I mean, the ball does move. They are ranked in the top third in assists and assist ratio. But a lot of the plays are just a two-man game, you know? They have like only 2.8 secondary assists which per game, which is one of the worst marks in the league today. So 
when the ball is flying around, it's beautiful. And then he can really create havoc when the, the, there's a team game. And Kispert get, gets great looks and the, the the ball is the game is beautiful. But as I, I'm agreeing with uh, Satoransky, I think that Satoransky is the f- most fitting point guard to play next to Danny. Um, mm-hmm. But then you don't need to have both Neto and Ish Smith. That, mm-hmm. And anyway, in any case, it's much better than the Rossville heavy attack of the Brooks area era, because it's better for him uh, also than the times when Dean Widdy and Bill were running the offense, but because both of them are not like passing first point guards. And it's a rare situation when uh, Denny is does get to make plays a lot. I think he shows strides and people see why the Wizards loved his potential in this field. Like he has, for example, this fantastic cross-court pass to to KCP um, to, to secure the game against the Pistons. And uh, one time in a game I brought broadcasting, he uh, got the ball twice in the post in the same quarter and made like a backwards pass to a bounce pass to a cutting mm-hmm. Bradley Bill to the basket. So he does shows um glimpses and more and more glimpses lately of creativity of trying different things like he has finally he has like the you know he can he can make mistakes without being like harshly mm-hmm. judged and completely related to the bench for five minutes afterwards yeah I, I agree with that the the longer leash not having to worry about being sat down and I know last season when Denny Avdia was starting, I felt Denny was playing well. And then Scott Brooks benched him for Davies Bertans. And he used the term he wanted him to get activated, I believe, when Davies Bertans were struggling. And I didn't understand that move. And I felt like Denny's confidence kind of wavered a little bit. And even this season, he's had stretches where his confidence is a little low. He's missing some threes, etc. But I feel like for any young player, that confidence is key. Having that trust in your coach and your coach that if you can make mistakes and not be put on the bench, you can get that 30 minutes a game, be in closing lineups, make important plays. That's all very good for a young player's confidence and their ability to grow as a player. That, that, that's for sure. Um, yeah, as, as, as you said, like having the ball in his hand is mm-hmm. so crucial to his development, especially when last season he was not only a rookie, he was a rookie without um, a proper pre-draft work, uh, without mm-hmm. because of the COVID. COVID like mm-hmm. he was drafted and less than a month later, he was inserted into the starting lineup uh, of, of a team he never played with. If, you know, most of the time you're drafted, you play the summer league, you have... Mm-hmm. Th- this year you also missed the summer league because of the injury. So mm-hmm. this year's preparation wasn't good as well. So a lot of times, a lot of things that people are mostly working on during summer, uh, also the summer was crumbed, uh, during summer, during summer leagues, during... Uh, preseason he didn't have it he just started everything even this season um too late uh, to 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 fix it and we see things that he's fixing this season like during the season definitely yeah. so we do want to get into some of the strengths and weaknesses that you've seen uh from Denny this season but before we do get to that we have a quick word from prize picks all right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and we know you will too. You pick, this is how you do it. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. 
PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds or even steals. PrizePix allows mixed sports entries. Uh, you can take the over on Kyle Kuzma's rebounds or the under on Reggie Jackson's three-pointers made for the game tomorrow night. And PrizePix ju- doesn't just offer NBA. They have options in college basketball, football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of your our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. The code is NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen. For your next listen, check check out the Locked On Now NBA podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, Iran. So what um, strengths have you seen from Denny so far this season? What were some weaknesses, some things you want to see him work on? Yeah, so so first of all, you mentioned, you already mentioned the self-confidence. And this was always an issue for Denny because in a team that is both needing to win and not talented enough to win, you know, Mm -hmm. substantially, there was the issue of him getting kicked out of games after a mistake or something just out of the blue this season. For example, I think in the Suns game, he had like a really um, good move. Like he stole the ball from Chris Paul. And then the next um, the next time he just relegated to the bench again. Like like r- maybe Ansel Jr. Um, came, you know, with the rotations um, um, just to the game. And he decided that no, no matter what, he's following the rotation. And this is not good um, for, for the confidence of a player when he's doing something good for the team, for himself, for the team. Um, most of the times it's the same he just needs to get like more run like to to build on this confidence because a lot of times he he has slow starts um both for for stints and for the games and i think now that he's freed in a way in his body language we see less and less danny's mad about himself moments you know and more of a shooter mentality where he can start 0 for 5 and still continue shooting and mm-hmm. mentally, that's a huge progress comparing to early days, especially in the Brooks era, but also under West in some weeks that we saw him like completely disappearing. Um, his three-point stroke is still streaky a bit, but against less of an issue, in my opinion. He tended to have like month when he's shooting the lights out, uh, and then month when he's just shooting the ball out, and it's happening less, I think. Um now he, he still uh, have like more of a game to game streakiness or like even quarter to quarter he did have at least one three pointer in 13 or 14 games lately and the, maybe the biggest point of actual improvement is free throw percentage which also leads to less of a problem in crunch time situations because you never you you don't have you, you, if you're shooting like 60 or 70% from the free throw, you're not going to be on the court in the waning moments of the game. But now that he's shooting like 
90% since the beginning of the, the 2022. So it, it's less an issue and it's great because also this is a mental thing. Um, he is known to have a crazy worth ethic. You know, he is not only an Israeli, but also a son of a former Serbian father, uh, which was famously tough on him to the degree that, I don't know if you know, but there's a character of him, like the, the father, Zufer, in the biggest satirical show in Israel called Eretz Nederet, where he's like the crazy uh, um, like trainer that like, uh, you know, the kid is uh, eating, uh, rubble, eating rubble and uh, that, that's the way he's uh, getting to the NBA. And like he's being mocked, but uh, like in a, in a good reason. So then he got that working and that work, work ethic for him. And even if you take the amount of times uh, when he's finishing with the left now, comparing compared to the beginning of the season, I think that there's much more versatility in his finishes. Like, He's not finishing, one time he finishes with the backboard, one time he's finishing like the dunk, one time in the left, one time in the right, one time around the player, one time like above a player. So he has like much more versatility. Um, there is the issue of finishing around the basket, uh, which I believe we'll discuss later. I think that defensively he's still very good, not like the first team all NBA, all defense that I don't, don't ever think it was a problem, uh, an opportunity, but I did check and like out of 166, 166 players that defended at least uh, 500 field goals this season, Danny ranked uh, 18 in the percentage of uh, of uh, the, the people shoot um, against him, like 42.8, I think, which is pretty good, like the 90th percentile. So. He, he is getting scored on because this is the NBA and the most talented mm -hmm. players in the world. But a lot of most of the times he's getting great closeouts. He's getting great, you know, um, verticality. Mm -hmm. uh, he has like active hands when he can strip the ball from a penetrating player or from a poster player uh, and lead to a fast break in the other place. Um, he does um, have like one time against the Hawks, for example, he was stuck like <laughs> guarding two players, Capella under the basket and Bogdanovich on the wing uh, uh, on the three-pointer. So he couldn't like cat, uh, cover both. So he stayed with Capella and Bogdanovich got a, a three, but it's not like his fault. It's more of a team thing. I think he is uh, actually playing next to Montrez Harrell. I think we saw his best defense because Harrell um, is not a good defender. Mm -hmm. Next to Avdia, because Avdia could neutralize players on one on one, Harold could like uh, Harold's qualities as a help defender were more um, were more visible, I think. And now he's not having like the same chemistry with Bryant, which is even a lesser defender than Harold. I know it's tough, but even a lesser defender than Harold. And next to Gafford, there's not enough offense so i really intrigued to see him and Porzingis play four and five together and i think that he is and kuzma when they're playing like four and five some kind of switchy uh, forward stand them um that looks good and also kuzma i think mentioned that he loves this combination also with hachimura so uh, i'd like to see more of that but defensively he's, he's pretty good yeah definitely one of his strengths was was his defense you know throwing up the clamps in the beginning of the year um, I do like the point with him. <laughs> I do like the point with him and Porzingis. I think they're going to be a really good match. I think that alley oop is definitely a sign of good things to come. Um, yeah, offensively, he um, just a whole as the team. They've been better shooting the three since you know we got smaller guards like Ish can push the pace, Neto can push the pace a little bit, Tomas pushed the pace. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about him finishing around the rim, which I think I love where he tried to dunk the ball against the uh, Pacers. So I, I do want to see more of that, but. 
Um, yeah, as, as long as he gets to play more, that's where he can work on his game. So just, you know, getting the shooting down, some of the ball handling down, dribbling with his left hand, finishing with his left hand is some of the things we definitely want to see him work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. So um, I'm sorry. Did you have anything else to say? Okay. Um, our next question that we had for you was a little bit of a ceiling question. We've talked about it before. What do you see in the obvious ceiling as in the NBA and is there a player that you kind of compare him to? I think that he can be a really, a pretty special player. Not in the meaning of, you know, like an all-star, but a player that you want on your side when you're building a very good team, a contender team. Mm-hmm. You know, a winning player that can block a crucial shot, advance the ball and find an open shooter in his pocket all within the span of five seconds. There were lots of comparisons. Um, actually, Omri Kaspi is a, a compatriot and uh, other Israeli NBA, in the NBA. First of all, said he the Turkoglu. Um, I thought he's going to be more of a Joe Ingles-like player, but actually, I think Danny, uh, in the, on the one hand, he's already better than Ingles in defending the paint. They're also like um, he's he's longer um, and like. Uh, higher than Ingles. On the other side, he's not quite yet even close to the shooter that Ingles uh, is, or maybe was, I hope, still is. I love Ingles. Uh, we don't even know like what's the best position of Danny. He's like mm-hmm. something between two and four with the ability to guard both ones and fives. So mm-hmm. maybe I think that this version of Danny is like maybe resembles some kind of Jaden McDaniels maybe probably but with better ball handling um so kind of this one like you, you know you don't have to have a defined position but i think like the you know the versatile um for defender forward and secondary playmaker so it's kind of like i think maybe kind of a jd mcdaniels now defensively he's developing to be every bit of the versatile menace we we hope mm-hmm. he, be but offensively i think that's the the jury is still out of them we do see the potential even more vividly uh lately just being aggressive for longer strides during games you know avoiding the mostly trying to avoid the three four minute strides when uh, he's not involved in the offense at all um even this one if he improves that and like instead of three four minutes like that he has like one two minutes and then he, he takes control and he's trying to push things and trying to take more on that because in this area he still lacks a bit maybe it's a, it's an age issue maybe it's a developmental issue um but i think it's also improving um not drastically but gradually and then ca- that can bring his number up and can bring the expectations as well yeah when i spoke about Denny obvious ceiling i felt I agree with you. I feel like on a very good contending team, a playoff team, he can be one of those really good contributors who can, like you said, make a block at a clutch moment. Um, I didn't know about All-Star or anything like that, but I think being a really good role player, for example, um, Jay Crowder on the Phoenix Suns, he's a very good role player on a very good contending team who makes clutch plays. That that I can see Denny Avia becoming that player, and it's hard to put like just a, a – permanent ceiling on him because he's young and he's still developing we were going to talk about the finishing next question and it's always it's always an evolving thing with a young guy because next season he can have a big jump and that changes his ceiling and that player comparison so I, I agree with you though on the being a very good 
piece on a contending playoff team. I, I 100% agree with that. Ed, what about you? Definitely, yeah. We, we we made the same video. We or we answered the same question, and we got a lot of backlash for our answer. Uh, I think some people for the do Jay Crowder one or for uh, or for or for what? Um, it was, um, about his ceiling. Somebody asked us a question about it, and you know, we we basically said the same thing you were saying. You know, it, it's hard to become an all star. You know, I think mm-hmm. some people get upset if we don't say that Denny's going to be a uh, Luka Doncic kind of player, which I think they're two totally different guys. But I think Denny can be, yeah, like a like a Tony Kukoc or. Uh, Hito glue and those Turkoglu, those guys have really uh, Andre Kirilenko. Andre Kirilenko was really known for his defense as well, um, mm-hmm. and just be a, a really good passer, uh, a primary secondary ball handler. And I think that would be a really good scenario for Denny, uh, a legitimate starter on a playoff contender, a championship contender. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the ceiling I see for him. Now he could surprise and become an All Star if he um, gets a bigger role, but you know it, it's just yet to be seen. We do want to see some more development from him, but we think he's he's starting to get more confident with more playing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jay Crowder, maybe I thought of also about DeAndre Hunter in a way, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is also like a pretty good thing to 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 aspire to be. Um, mm-hmm. Because Hunter is also like similarly to, to Trey Young. That's like Danny similarly can be like Bradley Beal's bodyguard. In the kind of uh, <laughs> like to cover for for the star for the team star the whiskeys, yeah, yeah. Well, one hundred percent. I definitely agree with you there. But before we get to our next question, we do have a message from our friends over at Built Bar. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. The offer is to go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Ed, let's get right into it. So, um, yeah, one of the weaknesses we talked about, Denny, you know, sometimes he has, you know, missed a couple of layups here and missed some dunks. So what do you see that Denny can improve on 
to do? What do you see him that he can do to improve on finishing around the rim? Yeah, I, I'm not a basketball coach. Like, I'm not also a former <laughs> player. I'm like five six, I think. Uh, but there is actually a. Um, a basketball coach called Svika Sheriff. He was also the coach of the national team, coach of Maccabi Tel Aviv. And I asked him one time when we talked about it on radio, and he said, just jump 20 centimeters, like, I don't know, says eight inches closer to the basket. Maybe it's that simple. I think that it's like, um, I think he works so much on being ambidextrous and finishing creatively that he thinks to overthink and overcomplicate things. Like he doesn't have a clear go-to move yet. Mm-hmm. And that makes him like trying different things. Also the freedom that we talked about. So for the first time, he knows that if he is going to try something different, he won't be kicked to the bench. And that's also leading to him trying more things and we're trying more things for the first time against like players like Jakob Pertl or, or Isaiah Jackson. So you or Isaiah Stewart, you you have like a, a decent chance of getting blocked or, or getting contested and then just missing the shot. And I think that, you know, as we said against the Pacers, just dunk the ball, man. You have long hands. You have like uh, big hands, you have long arms. Just try to dunk the ball, uh, Mm -hmm. take it hard to the rim. Stop being the nice, smiley kid. And in the words of the soon-to-be-winningest coach in the NBA, give me some nasty, you know? (laughs) Start being some like more nasty start. Also, I think he was a bit afraid of the contact because of his uh, poor uh, free throw shooting. But now he Mm -hmm. is shooting well from the free throw, Mm -hmm. so he shouldn't be afraid from the contact. And he's not afraid from the contact. He aspires for he strives for the contact. So I think like he's still searching for one or two clear go-to moves when things are going guff. And a lot of times he's just settling for strange shots. I do think that he lately developed some kind of a two-feet pull-up semi-floater like from four to five feet that he tends to like make it. I'm not sure that he did it like even a double-digit number of times, but... A lot of time when the, time, the 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 paint is crowded, he just stops on a dime and just shoots like a one-handed, and it goes in. So I think that maybe can be some kind of a thing that avoids like uh, people waiting for him under the basket because if he can like make it some kind of a, a thing that works, so that's a thing that um, I would say that we should take um, take a hard look at it because it can be something that uh, he can rely on. Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, I think he – the ankle injury, I don't know if that affected him as well. I know that was a nasty injury last year. Um, so, yeah, I think he does need to get a go-to move and, and dunking it. Uh, I think he saw Tomas go up and dunk, and then it motivated him to go up and dunk. So, I, I'm intrigued to see how he can finish, you know, going through contact and just, you know, developing the floater, using the back more backboard more, um, using some post-ups. So, I, I do want to see how he works on that. For the last twenty games of the year, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've maybe it's, I feel like it's a mental thing sometimes. Just a simple thing, simple layups at times that he'll miss, and maybe he's overcompensating or overthinking it, and it's just more simple than it actually is. But one thing I've said when me and Ed did an episode about what we want to see from some of the younger guys going into the end half of the season, I wanted to see Denny get more aggressive and attack the paint more, get to the free throw line more. He has shot the free throw ball better. So I, I want to continue to see him attack 
dunk, try to dunk. I, even if he misses, even if it gets blocked, just trying and attempting to dunk is something I love to see, you know, because it, you'll maybe you'll get that poster. You never know. So I think a lot of it is mental with Denny because he has the size to do it. It's just all about doing it, actually doing it. You know, we know, like you said, he has the work ethic to work on it, et cetera. I, it's something I feel like Denny will improve, especially as he gets stronger, as he gets older as well. So it, it's definitely something, a feat that I feel like Denny Avdia can improve on and will improve on. Um, and our next question that we want to ask you is Denny at point guard. We know we, we've heard people in our comment section speak about Denny and playing some point guard. Do you feel like he's capable of playing the point guard position, even if it's in little spurts? I think that uh, he's not a full-time PG, like not for like 30 minutes a game, mm -hmm. but for once in like three, four um, possessions, I think he showed that he can do that. Especially, by the way, if he's pulling down the rebound and pushes the ball in semi-transition, semi-transition, because he has long strides and because he had great um, uh, court vision, I think that unlocks a lot of things. Like I, I really see Danny running with the ball with you know Corey and, and or Bradley Beal in one in one uh, place and and Kuzma or KCP in the other and just you know having like three and two situations. Danny will thrive. Danny is actually thriving in this situation right now. And he like giving him the freedom because last year every time he was pulling down a rebound he's like if you're not like Russ was glaring at him if you're not passing me the ball in three seconds I'm going to kill you and and now there's no nobody to tell him this so a lot of time he does get at least to pass the half court um mm -hmm. with, with this one and we we see that and um that's actually um a welcome sight for our eyes i think also for the wizards uh, fans in general uh so so not like a fully uh, a full-time point guard but i do think that to, to unlock more of it, the Wizards should avoid having two ball handlers uh, and the same uh, the same lineup with him. For example, the Hawks game lately, where I broadcasted, they had both Ish and Satoransky on the court together, and the result was that Danny almost never touched the ball in those lineups because, like Satoransky is a good team player, but when you have both Ish and Satoransky, so there was less playmaking duties for Danny to to have, and. <clears throat> As you see, when he's getting the ball, both in drive and kick situations, both in two-man game, both in isolations, his repertoire of passes is impressive. Both like, mm. you know, the bounce passes, the the behind the head, the over the head, the the, the just you know everything that you can um, do. Every every different pass you can do is is there for him in mm. Arsenal. And it, it's very refreshing to see a player this high, uh, this long, is doing this one. And uh, I think that in a minute, first of all, he had like every game, he had like three great passes that find open shooters and they're not making it. So he can have like 3.5 assists per game over the last like two, three weeks. But also there was a lot of times that uh, because he didn't, either play with these players in, in like if it's Anthony Gill or Porzingis or, or other players or Bryant that was injured um, or that players are not used to him um, carrying the ball. So a lot of time he passes, he gets great passes to players that are not ready for it. So mm -hmm. you see that the, um, 
you know, all the coordination between the those two are, are not perfect. And it's clearly not 100% of the time. Danny's throwing a perfect pass and the player just missed it. But there is some kind of... Um, they need to work at more to, to 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 improve the filling out process of one another in this uh, situation. And you can't do that without trying. And now he's trying and they get some bad moments. They get some wonderful moments. And we saw the Porzingis value that you already mentioned, I think, twice or thrice, which is like ideal Danny situation. He's getting the ball in semi-transition. He stops to like take a look and then drives and then, like one-handed pass to 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 perfect alley-oop, and the the whole Capital One Arena was in the clouds for after this one. I think that this specific thing is like, oh wow, that's how it can look mm-hmm. when everything is clicking and working. And that was like a wow moment of of the of the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, one thing I wanted to see with Denny coming into this season as well was just grab when he grabbed those rebounds, you know, pushing the ball up. I know it was a little more tough doing that with Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook on the court, and those guys, you know, demand the ball. Their usage is high. So it's like rebound and then pass it off to Russ. But now you see a little bit more of rebounding it, getting down court, trying to find that open guy. Hey, I definitely like him being a secondary playmaker from time to time. I don't think he can be a full-time point guard either, but in moments, you know, definitely it can work. And when you have Ishmith and Sadoransky on the court at the same time, it definitely is a little tough. I'm not the fondest of that lineup either. You know, I definitely want to see if you have Tomas Sadoransky out there and have Denny out there next to him, that can work. You know, having too many ball handlers out there, I'm not too sure about that either, but in spurts, I definitely do like to see Denny Avdia playing that secondary ball handler role right there. Yeah, definitely. I, <clears throat> I do like him bringing the ball, especially when he gets the rebound. The only concern is, you know, he's six nine, so the the handle is still high, mm-hmm. and those small scrappy guards they just get under him and they try to you know pluck the ball out. So that's the only um, thing I need to see him work on if he if he uh, if he is going to play point guard for some spurts. But I, I definitely want to see them experiment. You know, there's only 20 games left, so let's you know, let's just see what they can do. Um, Ish and Sato at the same time. It is tougher. You got a lot of guys who like to dribble and pound the ball a little bit there. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to see him play a little bit of point guard in, in spurts. But um, I just want to ask you, how do fans in Israel view Denny's play so far? And uh, how, how do you, how do fans in Israel feel about the direction of the Wizards? You know, and their plans to give Bradley Bill. Um, the five-year, two hundred and I want to say fifty million dollars or two hundred forty-six million dollar extension coming up this offseason, and Bradley Bill saying that it's fair that he will be um, taking that extension. I think that uh, I, Wizards fans love Danny, and Israeli are like we're not. We, this is the only player that we have in the NBA these days. We're not kind of like you know, French or Australian that we have like multiple guys from to choose from. So. Um, Danny is very, very loved in Israel. Um, and like, um, whenever somebody doesn't pass to him, it's like, you know, it's the enemy of the state thing. Um, I do think that Bradley Bill, uh, like personally, not even, I didn't like do a, um, you know, a survey on this, but, um, I do think that Bradley Bill, I'm not sure if he can be the 50 million guy for a contending team. 
No, he can be the perfect second option next to Joel Embiid. No, like you know, according to reports to to uh, some other um, um, reporters, Joel Embiid wanted Bradley Beal before he wanted James Harden. So I think that Bradley Beal next to um, a big man can be the perfect complementary two guard for uh, a contending mm -hmm. team. But as the first option, I'm not sure now. With Porzingis, you get an interesting situation because Porzingis was an all-star in his prime mm -hmm. and he was the best player on a team in his prime. This team was also not contending. So prime Bill plus prime Porzingis, they will earn next year in this case that they will give the Bradley Bill Max about $80 million. Does this $80 million tandem brings you like into the playoffs in the East nowadays? I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that um, Bradley Bill, I think that if Bradley Bill could accept less than the max, you know, like 5 million less, 10 million less than the max, that player don't tend to do these days. But let's try, let's dream, let's think. Maybe people will draw some inspiration from the San Antonio Spurs where people are taking less money to be better. So I, I think that paying Bradley Bill 50 mil uh, a year will be a mistake. Um, by the Wizards, but maybe that's the only option that they have now because letting him go for nothing or like, you know, I don't know, maybe he will, um, you know, take the option for next season and will stay and then see what happens when Porzingis, if Porzingis can have a healthy season. And <laughs> that's a big if. So um, I think that Bradley will have some rough moments with Denny, especially last year, but also this year as well. And um, he's not like particularly loved or admired in Israel. I think he's like, you know, okay, when he, every player generally, when Danny, Danny and the player has good chemistry moments, I think the, the chemistry between Danny and Bill um, helped. I think that the chemistry between Danny and Kuzma is visible and the the, mm -hmm. the friendship they have, the bond they have, is very, very important to, to if the Wizards want to build around uh, Kuzma, so Danny is a part of the plan and like, this is uh, something that we'll get to this maybe. You know what? You mentioned the Philadelphia game, the Martin Luther King game, because I, I remember it was, I I had to like, I have a Facebook, um, a Facebook uh, community of like 20, 20 grand people. And I had to do like um, some kind of an emergency declaration. Danny will be okay because this, this game seemed like a watershed moment for him. And um, also like, you know how many players in the NBA have played in all their games, uh, their all the teams' games this season? Six. Danny is one of them. Mm. He also dropped out in this Philly night. But I think that the fact that he, you know, he was entered into the game with two minutes to go in the garbage time, and he played so professionally in these moments. He didn't like mm -hmm. slacked, and he didn't go forcing his shots to to get on the board he just played regularly i think in a, in a way it kind of cemented his his um stature in washington as a player that is not rattled by adversity and this was a, a moment that was very important for him um in my opinion so Brad DeBeal will be all right if he will pass the ball pass the ball to danny and uh, if the wizards will win enough but Personally, I think that he's not uh, a player that's worth 50 million. He's a great player, a potential all-star, but not um, the best player on a contending team, in my opinion. Yeah. In the words of Bradley Bill, I would say that's fair. 
that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're a lot of Wizards fans over here in the States would agree with you. You know, we've been hearing that all season. They're not too, you know, chipper about them just tossing all this money at Bradley Bill. A lot of Wizards fans feel the same as you as far as they don't think he's the best player on the contending team. They feel like he's a good secondary piece. As you said, to like a Joel Embiid, that would be perfect for him. So I, I can agree with you on that. I mean, 100. percent I'm not. I'm not. I was. I'm not too sure that they should give him all that money. But I mean, if the if he wants to stay, we all know the Wizards will give him that money. But our last question for you here: Why should Wizards fans be optimistic about Denny Obvious' future? I think that if you look about the like the next season, the Wizards, um, KCP will be under a fin- an expiring contract, which is not even fully guaranteed. And with all the respect of Danny as bring as as the first guy off the bench, I think that around Porzingis, which is not a good rim protector, he he is a great block sh- a shot blocker, but he's not like a, a natural born rim protector. Uh, mm. Also, not going out and pick and pop situation pick and roll is not a great defender in this situation and with Bradley Bill having let's assume that Bradley Bill is staying and he has his well-known defensive deficiencies so to speak so around them around those two you need to have three capable plus defenders mm-hmm. in order for this team to be like at least a middle of the pack team if not better for them because potentially if you take for example Kuzma uh, Bill Porzingis, this trio can net you 70 points a game with times blindfolded. I think, like uh, the, offensively, they're versatile. They're they can hit you in different ways. Porzingis can pop out. Kuzma can pop out. Bradley Bill can play post up because he's he's quite strong for a two guard. And against uh, and around them, you need to have uh, a switchy defender, which then fits the bill exactly. And you need to have a pass-first point guard, in my opinion, because there are three scorers on this team. So if you can have like a not he's not in his prime and he's obviously injured, but if you can have a Ricky Rubio type player mm-hmm. um, that can you know in the on the other hand uh, be a point of attack defender, uh, on the other hand distribute the ball to the hot shooter. So this kind of uh, starting five is making sense in a lot of ways, and then. You know, there's not enough player who can. There's at least sixty percent of this um, of the starting five can defend. At least sixty point of the starting five can score. And with this kind of uh, starting lineup, for me, Danny can have a a, a great role, um, especially if his three point shooting is trending up to the 35 percent. Um, so I think that this is a good place for optimism. Like if you s- even. Look, take a look of, on the three uh, latest Shepard picks. So Corey Kispert, we already know what to expect from him, which is basically shooting and not slacking on defense as hard as Bertans did, right? Uh, and you look at Hachimura, who also, by the way, improved his three-point shooting drastically, mm-hmm. and he's great in this manner, but he still can't like hold 30 minutes on the court. And uh, I'm not trying to judge him. For example, we don't know what happened to him after the Tokyo, the, the Olympic Games, and this can be, you know, understandable to the highest degree. But being absent um, for half of your 
team season where you're a lottery pick on a rookie contract. I don't know um, what it makes of you in the long-term plans of the team. So I don't want to like insult him because he looks like a great guy. But out of these three, although Danny is the youngest, I think he's looked more the most the one most ready to contribute to a winning team. Mm-hmm. starting from next season. And I think that the best thing the Wizards can do is find KCP at home. He's a switchy 3 and D guy that a lot of good teams will cover and maybe it can you know, open the door for a um, 10 to 15 million uh, type point guard uh, who can also defend and be a good complementary um, guy to Bradley Bill if he stays again. And this, if it takes like this Starting five, I think it can be exciting. I don't know if it's like a, a contending team, but it can be exciting. And if Porzingis is healthy, also a good team. Yeah, uh, I'm curious and I'm hype, happy to see what Denny Avia can do his third year. I hope that he can have that jump. You know, he may be tasked with starting at that three spot next season. And so with that comes more responsibility, you know, he'll have a full off season, no injury stuff to worry about, you know, hopefully more of the COVID stuff is, is done with, and he has more of a full off season to work out and improve his game. It'll be, I'm, I'm interested to see, man. I can't wait to see what he has in store for his third season. Ed, any closing thoughts, any thoughts on what was said? Definitely, are yeah, you excited? Are you excited of Danny's future? I am. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely am. Mm-hmm. I am. I am optimistic. I like. I like what I saw with him and Porzingis. I think they can work out. Him, him, Rui, and Kuz. I think they play really, really well together. Kuz is definitely taking him under his wing as well. And um, like you said, his dad is a good trainer, and you know, he, you said he eats rubble and and whatnot. So, um, and Denny had a 15 rebound game. That's hard to do. I mean, not a lot of people are able to do that. Um, I think he's a really good rebounder. I think my, my bold prediction for the rest of the season was that he is going to get a triple double and you know i've seen a lot of people compare him to you know like a josh giddy type you know josh giddy's able to do that because he gets a lot more playing time i do think there will be a game where denny gets to have like a josh giddy type of game where he has like a triple double and uh goes out there has like you know 10 points 11 boards and 10 assists i I do want to see that before but uh iran definitely want to thank you for coming on is there anything that you want to shout out or plug um just uh first of all thank you it was great great that conversation for me i hope you enjoyed it as well because i enjoyed it a lot and um yeah thanks for uh for listening uh you can follow me at twitter i'm sorokman s-o-r-o-k-m-a-n we have a great podcast of cbn it's in hebrew so uh, you probably <laughs> won't be able to understand what we're doing but we're saying that that we have a lot of fun there uh the wizards have a great following in israel nowadays um you know, you, you earned dozens of thousands of new fans um, and we just hope that, uh, you know, Washington is a big city, Danny is a, is a great kid, and I hope this this can survive long-term and even, you know, help him. He can help them content. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Well, guys, I want to thank you all for making Locked On, which is your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Well, Denny Avdia, everybody, we got a good 50 minutes for you. Terrific episode. And we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Hell to the Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.